Good evening to everybody. We're glad that you've joined us tonight. You can be opening your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, and I'll meet you there in just a moment. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. A couple of things just as we uh, get started this evening. In the first place, um, I've heard from so many of you over the last several weeks, and I've communicated with so many of you. Um, Thank you for your encouragement and thank you for uh, the, the good things that you're saying about the, the, the way that the um, online services have been conducted. I want to just take a, a moment and talk about um, especially two individuals, Scott Tumlinson and Michael Creed. Uh, ever since this began, Scott and Michael have been the guys in the audiovisual booth. And they've been the ones making sure that the live stream is up and running and doing the camera work and making sure the songs get played um, at the right time and, and all those things. And they've just done, both of them, a phenomenal job. They've had super attitudes, as you would expect, and you know and love those two, two men. But uh, they've just done a wonderful, wonderful work. And we need to, we need to remember them and encourage them uh, for the great job that they've done. I also want to commend Jordan Moore. Um, Jordan is, I, I, I hesitate to say he's a five talent man because he's got about 20, but uh, Jordan has been really instrumental in a lot of the things that have been going on behind the scenes and um, has just done a tremendous job as well. Um, make sure that you give him a pat on the back when you visit with him and, and talk to him this week. A um, couple of others to acknowledge. Boone Mashburn has been uh, instrumental in making sure that a lot of the things that are being done, um, and especially early on, a lot of the uh, last-minute arrangements we had to make, that, that those were taken care of in a smooth way. Of course, Boone is our deacon that's responsible for assemblies and worship, and so uh, he's done a super job as well. Uh, Drew Johnston and Kevin Sisko, those are our technological gurus, and, and those two guys have done a lot of behind-the-scenes work. Um, I don't even understand all that they're doing, but they've spent a lot of hours up here at the building and the two of them just visiting about um, how to make our live stream experience better. So I just want you to know that even though you see me, you see Jordan, you see Larry and Tim and, um, and, and Ray up, up here talking to you on your television screen or your personal device, uh, there's an awful lot of people that, that need your encouragement and that are worthy of your encouragement. So don't forget them and keep them in your prayers as well. We're thankful for uh, the technology that allows us to be able to do these things. I also wanted to say this before we start tonight. If you are in need of anything, even if you just need someone to drop by and stand on your front porch six feet away and, and visit with you and pray with you. Let us know, let me know, let one of the elders know, let Jordan know. Um, we would love to be able to help you in any way that we possibly can. And so if you're, if you're discouraged, if you're struggling, if you're frustrated, if you, just, if you just need somebody to talk to because you're going stir crazy, which I think all of us are at this point, um, please, please let us know and we'd love to be able to try to help. If there's anything physically that you need, um, anything that we can bring you, groceries, supplies, those kinds of things, don't hesitate to let the church know. Uh, we love each other. We want to help and support each other as best we can. I know we mentioned these things a few weeks ago, but again, I think it stunned everybody this morning when Larry stood up and said that it's been six weeks now that we've not met here at the building. And 
it doesn't seem like it's been that long in some ways, and then in other ways, it seems like it's been years. So um, keep praying with us every night at 8 o'clock. If you're not familiar with this, every night at 8 o'clock p.m., the entire congregation is stopping whatever we're doing. Turn off your video games, hit pause on Netflix, get together with your family, and say a prayer. And specifically, we're praying for a swift end to this pandemic. We're praying for the healthcare professionals that are in harm's way and the first responders. We're praying for wisdom for our government leaders. And we're praying also very fervently that it won't be long before God's people can be together, that we can worship and lift our voices and praise together. And we're praying and, and hoping to that end very, very fervently. So eight o'clock every night, including tonight, Make sure that that's a point of emphasis in your home and your family. This is the last in the series of assurance. Can we know we're saved? Is it possible for us to have assurance that we are in a right relationship with God? This is lesson number five, and in the previous four, we've looked at this particular question from a lot of different directions biblically. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, the Hebrews writer says this to his brethren what we're thinking of walking away from Christianity. The Hebrews writer says, we desire that each one of you show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. If you read Hebrews carefully, one of the things the Hebrews writer emphasizes is the promises of God. When God promises something will happen, you can guarantee it will happen. It'll come to pass. And so the writer is saying, hold on to those promises. In Christ, God has promised us salvation. He's promised us hope. He's promised us a future with him. God has promised those things. Therefore, be diligent, endure, Whatever trials and tribulations you're going through right now, you can hold on even because, and even in spite of these things, because of the full assurance of hope that you enjoy. We need that kind of assurance as New Testament Christians. 1 John 5.13 that we've mentioned a number of times in this series tells us that we may know that we have eternal life because of our belief and our confidence and our submission to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You can know you're saved. Tonight's lesson will go in this direction. I want us to spend just a few moments this evening thinking about what assurance brings to the Christian life. What blessings are bestowed in our lives because we know we're saved. If you know you're in a right relationship with God, if you have blessed assurance, what are the blessings of blessed assurance? That's what we're going to spend a few moments pondering tonight. Six thoughts for your consideration this evening. When we know that we are saved, when we know without a shadow of a doubt that we are obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ and that God has redeemed us, in the first place, that assurance compels love and praise for God. Why do you worship? Why do you, why do you spend time singing songs and praying prayers? Why do you spend time observing the Lord's Supper? Why do you do those things? 
Why do you listen to a lesson from God's word with an obedient heart? Love and praise for God. Why do you offer that to him? I submit this evening that one of the most important reasons why we praise God is because of the assurance that he has provided for his people. Notice with me just one passage. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. Paul is writing to his young, uh, young brother in Christ, Timothy, and he says this, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost or chief. But I receive mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Paul's talking about his assurance. He's talking about his salvation. And he's saying, I'm the chief of sinners. If ever there was a bad sinner, if ever there was a leader of the pack, it's me. That's the way Paul felt about himself. But he's giving thanks to God because he knows what Jesus has done for him. And it is so overwhelming to think of these things that he's been saved by the grace of God and by the blood of Christ. Paul can't help but to burst forth in praise to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I know people are longing for sports to come back. It's kind of difficult to watch old reruns of games on TV, and that's about all they're showing now. But everybody has a team, and when your team does well, or when your team has a player that everybody admires, you just can't help but talk about how great the team is, how great a season they're having. It's just naturally what you want to do. I love that team, and I love how they're playing, and I'm just excited about it. When we have a sense of blessed assurance, when we really understand that we can know we're saved, and we believe that in our hearts, we ought to be excited about that. And we ought to burst forth in praise to God from time to time because of the fact that God has saved us from our sins. He's redeemed us. He knows us. Blessings that assurance brings. Number two this evening. Assurance, not only does it compel us to praise and love God, but it also brings joy to all of our tasks and our trials. You remember the movie Mary Poppins? Mary Poppins sang the song about a spoonful of sugar, and she was talking to the kids about doing their chores. And she said, if you just have a spoonful of sugar, if you just whistle and sing while you work, then that makes all the bad things that are going on, it makes them more tolerable. Assurance of salvation brings joy to all of our tasks and trials. Listen to Scripture. Acts 16, 34, the Philippian jailer brought up Paul and, his, and uh, Silas into his house and set food before him. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Even in the middle of the night, having heard the gospel and obeyed it, this man is full of joy in the midst of his life, in the midst of his tasks, tasks and trials. There's joy to be found in salvation. Romans 5 verse 2, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand 
and watch the connection, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. There's a connection between hope and joy. Hope is something that is assured, it's given to us. We can know without a shadow of a doubt that we're in a right relationship with God. And that brings joy to our lives because no matter what this world tries to do to us, no matter how people might treat us, we have a relationship with the Creator. In Romans 12, verse 12, the writer says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. God wants people to rejoice because of the hope that he's given to us, the assurance that he's added to our lives. How we ought to thank God for the way that he blesses us and how we ought to remind ourselves that no matter what's going on in our lives, there can be joy because of our assurance. Number three this evening, assurance makes us zealous in service. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Paul's just spent an entire chapter writing about the resurrection of the dead. And people were wondering, is all this effort in living the Christian life, is it worth it? Is bearing fruit to God worth it? After all, if we die and we don't come back, if we don't rise from the dead one day, then really, what's the point? Why not just eat, drink, and be merry? But Paul says, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. There is assurance to be found in Christianity, assurance of Christ's resurrection and assurance of our resurrection based on what he did. And because of that assurance, we ought to be steadfast. We ought to always be abounding in the work of the Lord because we know, we know that our labor is not in vain. There's assurance. In Titus chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, Titus is receiving a letter from Paul, and he, Paul says this. He says, as Christians, we're waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. There's assurance. The purification that Jesus offers to his people. And then it says his people are zealous for good works. When we understand that we are saved, when we understand what God has done for us, there is a reason, there's a motivation to serve with enthusiasm, to serve with zeal. You ever go to a restaurant and have a waiter that's kind of having a bad day? Happens to everybody from time to time. But their body language and the effort they're putting into what they're doing just shows that they'd really rather be anywhere else but working that day. Christians... Christians work with zeal, with assurance, because they know that they're in a right relationship with God. Ephesians 2 verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That word walk is a lifestyle term, and it means that I'm supposed to live a life that is devoted to good works. It means that everything that I'm about is doing good, doing what blesses others, praising and glorifying and honoring God. Why? Why would I live that way? 
because by grace I've been saved through faith. That salvation that God has given me is a gift. And because he saved me, I am his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Are you zealous in your service to God? Is that something that characterizes your life? If that's not the case, maybe part of the reason is because we haven't spent enough of our time thinking about what really happened when we obeyed the gospel. What did God do when he saved us? How? On what basis did God save us? Those questions are worth pondering because they relate to our service. Four, assurance provides strength in times of temptation. You know, I think one of the most surprising and disappointing things for new Christians to encounter is the fact that temptation is not just present in their lives as Christians, but oftentimes the temptation is even stronger now that we've become Christians. After all, the devil works really hard on people who serve God. The devil would love nothing more than to cause somebody to doubt and question their salvation and to turn away from the living God. And so, one of the things that the Bible does is it connects our assurance to strength and temptation. A couple of passages for your consideration. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, Paul writes this, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. That's assurance. The word faithful means he shows up. He always shows up. He never takes a day off. He's never missing in action. He never even takes a five-minute coffee break. God is faithful. He's always there, always present. And he, because he's faithful, will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God wants us in times of temptation to remember the promises that he's made to us. This temptation is not so strong that you are overwhelmed by it. It's not so strong that you have to give in. Our assurance in Christ, the promises of God, remind us we can endure temptation. In Hebrews 4, verses 15 and 16, the Hebrews writer says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That passage applies to our prayer lives it applies to what we're seeking from God. And you can apply the passage very generally. But very specifically in the context, the passage that deals with coming to the throne of grace and finding grace to help in time of need, the passage is related to temptation. And it's also connected to our high priest, the finished work of Christ on the cross. He has done the work. He has saved us from our sin. And now he is more than willing to provide grace to help in time of need. Assurance provides strength in times of temptation. Number five, when we think about the blessings that assurance brings to our lives, just knowing that you're saved makes a difference. Just having that confidence because the Bible points us to it. It's linked in the Bible with contentment. 
Listen to Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's assurance, isn't it? I will never leave you nor forsake you. The promise of God, I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to abandon you. The Hebrews writer goes on to say, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? When we lack contentment in our lives, maybe part of the problem is that we're not thinking enough about the salvation that God has provided for us. God has promised to be faithful, to never leave us nor forsake us. He provides assurance. In 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 and 7, Paul writes, Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. When we look at all of our stuff and all of our money, and we look at our 401ks, and we look at our bank accounts, and all those things, those are blessings that God has poured into our lives. And at the same time, we're not taking any of it with us when we leave. Godliness with contentment is great gain. There's assurance to be found in Jesus Christ, and there's contentment to be found when we know that we're right with him. Next, Philippians 4, verse 19. My God, Paul says, will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God loves you, God has saved you, and you can be content because he's provided everything you need and promises to continue to do so. Finally this evening, assurance removes the fear of death. Knowing that we're in a right relationship with God means that we can step out of this life when the time comes, knowing with confidence that we're in a right relationship knowing with confidence that we've, we have the salvation that God provides. That's why the Bible says things like this, Revelation 14, verse 13. I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. Why does the Bible say blessed are the dead who die in the Lord? And the answer is because they have assurance they're blessed that they may rest from their labors. Their deeds follow them. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 and 14, some Christians were wondering about what happened to other Christians who had died. They didn't have apparently any instruction on this matter. And so Paul wrote these words by inspiration to reassure them. What happens to those who die in Christ? I don't want you to be uninformed, he says, about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. The assurance that we find in the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, the historical reality of what Jesus did and the salvation that he provides as a result, that assurance helps us as we look at death to say, we're not going to grieve and mourn as those who have no hope. We know that we'll see one another again. We know that even though we say goodbye to one another for a little while, that it's not goodbye forever. 
as God's people, when we look at death and think about it, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the salvation he provides changes the way we look at death. Assurance really does bring blessings to our lives. The question I want us to consider tonight as we finish is this, how does one obtain eternal life? The Bible is very clear. It's not a question that has a muddled answer. The Bible says over and over again, we need to hear the gospel, listen to the word of God. It's God's power to save you. We need to put all of our trust in Jesus Christ. Forbid it that I should boast in anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said in Galatians 6, verse 14. We are to repent of our sins. Unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish, Jesus said in Luke 13, verse 3. We're to confess the name of Jesus, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. And then we're to be baptized, immersed, united with Christ in the waters of baptism. Acts 22, verse 16. Now, why do you wait? Arise and be baptized, washing away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Maybe you need to make that commitment. There are some email addresses on the screen there. If you would, just send an email to myself or to Jordan Moore. We would love the opportunity to visit about these matters with you more. Thank you so much for your attention this evening. Let's think about these things as we sing this song.